apologising for like dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder, as always to our listeners and viewers, to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify and YouTube. As I say, every week, the more ratings, reviews and subscriptions we have, the easier it is for us to grow the podcast and continue to deliver great West Cork sporting content. And we have a brilliant show lined up for you today as well with two cracking big name guests. Up first, we'll be joined by the Balanine Bullet, Phil Healy, to reflect on what was an outstanding year on the track. At the Tokyo Olympics, Healy became the first Irish woman to ever compete in three different events at the same Games. And she was part of the Irish 4x400m relay team that smashed the national record and qualified for the Olympic final. Later, we'll be switching our focus to GAA and chatting to Ty McCorris, Kevin O'Driscoll, who last week announced that he'd be stepping away from Inter County football. Kevin was also a part of the Cora side that recently picked up their first Carberry Junior A football title since 2012. So there's plenty for us to dissect with him. But Kieran, there's only one place to start this week, and that's the award scene and one glaring omission from the RTE Sports Star of the Year shortlist i'm going to give you the floor on this one because you were obviously very vociferous in your criticism of this decision on twitter but now you've got a much bigger much more important platform to do your talking than a mere social media giant so the floor is yours kieran paul o'donovan omitted from rte sports star of the year consideration despite uh, an iconic irish sporting year that he's put down the mind just boggles, Jack. Absolutely boggles. Paul Donovan is coming off the, the greatest year of his sporting career, and he's already Ireland's greatest ever rower. So just to recap, 2021, Olympic gold, Ireland's first ever Olympic gold rowing medal, along with Fintan McCarthy. Paul won European gold. Um, Paul won World Cup two gold as well. Every race at international level, Paul and Fintan were together in 2021. They won. They won gold and everything. They were absolutely dominant. And we all know how good Fintan McCarthy is. But we all know, too, that Paul Donovan is pound for pound, pound for pound, the best roar in the world. He, he's just an incredible sportsman. And, and the fact that he doesn't make the shortlist of eight for the RTE Sports um, Person of the Year, it just beggars belief. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever because you're talking about a genuine world-class talent. And he's an... He's an Irish sports person who is the best in the world at his chosen sport. And we don't have too many of those. And um, some people were wheeling out the line that he's in a team sport with Fintan McCarthy. And I get that Paul and Fintan together are incredible. But there are people shortlisted. Um, Keen Lynch from the Limerick Colors, Vicky Wall from the Mid Ladies Footballers. They're shortlisted for the Sports Person of the Year Award, but they're on a team too. And I would argue that what Paul has done 
this year supersedes what the likes of Keen Lynch and Vicky Wall have done, as great as their achievements have been. We're talking and, and about just again. sorry to add to that as well. Leona Maguire, the golfer, is basically nominated off the back of her Solheim Cup performance, which was a team event as well. She didn't. Uh, well, she obviously has good merit as a, a single as well in, in golf in terms, but her big achievement this year was in a team event. So there's another uh, team player who's been nominated. That's exactly it. So it just, like I said, it beggars belief. And it's just that Paul isn't in that shortlist. Um, whether he'd win it or not, that's a debate for, for, for everyone to have. And, and these awards are kind of highest tool debate. I mean, they're, just, they're so subjective. But Paul has to be in that conversation. He's such an incredible athlete. Um, to me, it's devalued the award. It really has. Because how can you have the best crown, the best sports person, when you're not picking from the pool of the best sports people? You know, it just doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense for me. Um, but the West Cork Sports Star Awards, which we're involved in, Jack, and we've been involved in now since the inception, we came up trumps this weekend because Paul was presented with his um, West Cork Sports Star Monthly Award uh, just last Sunday. So the timing couldn't have been any, any better for, for our awards. Um, and it was an honour of recognition of what Paul achieved this year. Um, just to point out too, Fintan McCarthy received his monthly award a couple of months back. The timing, we just couldn't get Paul and Fintan together in the same room at the same time because they're two busy men with two busy schedules. But it actually worked out well for both because they both got their separate night at the Celtic Ross Hotel and they were both honoured and lauded with their, with their family and friends. So on Sunday afternoon, Paul O'Donovan was at the Celtic Ross Hotel and the lovely thing, Jack, is he spoke so well of the West Cork Sports Star Awards and how much they mean to him and how much it means to be honoured by this local award scheme. And he actually, he, he lent in a line that he used back in 2016 as well. And it's, um, it's one that always stuck in my head. Paul's, Paul said after himself and Gary won silver in Rio 2016, he said, the closer we got to home, the less people cared about seeing the medal and the more they cared about seeing us. And he used that exact same line again last Sunday at the Celtic Ross Hotel. It was just to show how much he appreciates the support from, from home, from West Cork, from his family, friends, from us in the Southern Star, from C103 and from the Celtic Ross Hotel. Because we've been there every step of the way with him. Um, we won't forget what Paul O'Donovan has, has achieved. You know, others, other award schemes might overlook Ireland's greatest ever roar, one of Ireland's greatest ever sportsmen. But we, we don't, we won't. You know, you kind of... We have to acknowledge greatness and and salute a superb, superb sports person. So um, best of luck to whoever wins the RT Sports Person of the Year Award. But there should be little asterisks beside it and just underneath it, Paul O'Donovan didn't make this shortlist. Yeah, or, or whatever reason that may be. I have the I have the RTE website open in front of me and the list of nominees and we'll go through them maybe in a moment just to compare and contrast with Paul's achievements. But first of all, they actually have the criteria for nominees listed here. So I'm going to read out these criteria and we can maybe break down how on earth they've decided not to include Paul based on their own criteria, which they've published publicly for us to dissect and ridicule here. So so let's let's go ahead. Number one. The list should reflect Irish sporting achievements on the national and or international stage. So let's see, Paula Dunman on the national stage, he won multiple uh, Irish titles and on the international stage, he only went and won an Olympic gold medal, the greatest uh, international stage there is in sporting terms outside and of European world. gold and actually we mentioned never mentioned <laughs> Hindley gold as well at the Hindley Brigata. So yeah, so OK, he's ticked all those boxes. Number two, then. Any sports person who has won a medal or a championship at an international level should be considered, where multiple sports people from the same field or at the same championships 
both won medals. The one with the higher value medal can take precedence over the others. So this would take into account the fact that there were other Irish rowers who won medals at the Olympics. Um, Emily Hegarty, of course, was part of the Irish Four, but they won bronze. Paul and Finton won gold. So by virtue of these rules, Paul and or Finton would take precedence. So once again, check. He should be included on that ground as far as I can tell. Two more criteria here to get through now. And this third one is really going to laugh in the face of those who said that he wasn't included because of the team element. A sports person who has been outstanding within a team that has won something or a team that has significantly overachieved should be considered. So this is explicitly saying that if you achieve something spectacular as part of a team, there's no reason why you shouldn't be considered. So that argument is again thrown out. And then finally, and I think this is a big one, there's only maybe one Irish sports person who may be above what Paul and Finton achieved based on this criteria. The impact the achievement has on the nation should be brought into consideration. Now, I would argue that Kelly Harrington's gold medal may have been the bigger story in Irish sporting terms this year. But that's not to say that Paul and Finton's gold medal didn't capture the imagination of the nation. Just remember George Hamilton's commentary on the day. So Paul O'Donovan's gold medal at the Olympics had a far greater impact than nine out of the ten other nominees. Maybe Rachel Blackmore's Grand National win. I could argue that as someone who's a fan of racing. But you can't argue that Keen Lynch winning the All-Ireland Hurling title for Limerick for a, whatever third time in four years had a bigger impact on the nation than Paul O'Donovan winning a gold medal at the Olympics. How many gold medals, Kieran, have Irish athletes taken at the Olympics over the years? That was Ireland's first ever gold rogue Olympic medal too. So another piece of history. And Paul is a part of a unique club now where he's two Olympic medals, gold from Tokyo and silver from Rio. And I think it's only a handful of Irish sports people in the history of Irish sport have ever achieved that. So like the man is on a different level to, to, to most Irish sports people. Um, so when you read out the criteria there, like you said, it, it, it flies in the face or smacks in the face of what those criteria set out that Paul just doesn't make that shortlist. I know the man himself, um, he, he's not big into the personal awards. He's, he's not like, but that doesn't mean that he still shouldn't be recognized, you know, kind yeah. of, uh, you still, you still should honor and, and, and salute and applaud sport and greatness, sport and talent. And that's what Paul O'Donovan is and what he's, he's, regularly, um, he's regularly at the top stage, the top international stage over the years. He's been there and he's flying the Irish West Cork and Skibbereen flag. And if you think back to with Martin Cross on our podcast, Jesus, um, four or five months ago before the Olympics, and Martin Cross is a renowned um, rowing commentator, broadcaster, journalist. Um, he was a former Olympic gold medalist winner himself at Great Britain, I think it was back in the 70s. And uh, when I asked him about I said, Paul's impact outside of Ireland, because maybe we're biased here because Paul is one of our own. And he said, Paul O'Donovan is a superstar. And this is a man who has his finger on the pulse of international rowing. And, th- and that's what he said. Paul O'Donovan is a superstar. You know, he's that's how good he is. And, Maybe because rowing isn't GA. Maybe that's it, that people people here at home don't really appreciate just how good Paul O'Donovan is. But I think I think um, you're incorrect in saying that people in Ireland don't appreciate because you saw the outpouring of anger yeah. when he wasn't maybe actually some, maybe I some, think people yeah. appreciate him 
well enough. I think whoever was <laughs> going through this selection process either just had an off day, like people can make mistakes. People <laughs> have made mistakes in the past, but I think it's just a major oversight. We'll just quickly run through the actual list of nominees just to kind of compare and contrast achievements. And I don't want to denigrate any of those included because their achievements are all worthy of inclusion. But we just have to say that from the West Cork angle, Hall of Donovan is clearly worthy of inclusion as well. And, and just on that, I think there's there's eight people nominated. And wh- why not have nine people nominated? Like, like you said, all eight there have had fantastic years and they, yeah. they deserve their place on this shortlist. But there's no set rule to say you must have eight, you know, kind of nine, kind of just make it a perfect 10. Um, so like you said, they're like all eight and you go through them now. Superb years. They've all put their own sports on the map and have had, had a great a great 12 months but there is one glaring omission okay well first up as you mentioned Keen Lynch the Limerick hurler and I think it's fair to say he was by far and away the best hurler in the country this year and that's saying something because hurling is one of the most or one of if not the most popular sport in certain parts of the country so to be the best and to deliver a third all Ireland for your county is quite an achievement but is it Olympic gold medal? We could argue. Anyway, I don't want to denigrate any of these. Great achievement. Ellen Keane, swimmer in the Paralympics, won a gold medal. Obviously, she's going to be included. She won a gold medal at the Paralympics. That's incredible. How could you leave her off the list? You couldn't possibly. But we will leave a rower who won a gold medal in uh, his own event off the list. So I can't see it there. Next one again. Paralympian, gold medal. Jason Smith, unbelievable. Fastest Paralympian of all time. Gold medalist deserves inclusion. Paul O'Donovan, also a gold medalist. How has he been left out again? I just don't know. Now, this is, I think, possibly the one where Paul could have replaced quite easily and there could be no argument. And that is my own personal sporting hero, Katie Taylor, who did not have a brilliant year. She beat Natasha Jonas, an opponent from the 2012 Olympics and she's going to have a big year next year but it wasn't a vintage Katie Taylor year and I think she may just be included because of name recognition she's probably Ireland's favourite sporting hero across all codes at the minute but if I was to leave one out it would be Katie the other boxer on the list Kelly Harrington gold medal of course if you win a gold medal in the Olympics or Paralympics you deserve inclusion unless you win it in rowing and as part of a lightweight double so I couldn't have any argument for Kelly Harrington. Leona Maguire she is the hottest thing in Irish golf right now she's competing in the Solheim Cup she's competing in majors so we do love our golf in Ireland Padraig Harrington was always included when he won his majors when he went well Darren Clark etc so I can see the argument for Leona Maguire but she might fall into my Katie Taylor um, level of Maybe that, not having that bracket of maybes, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So if you had to leave someone out, it would probably be those. Rachel Blackmore, I could have no problem with her being in there. The first ever female rider to win the Grand National, the biggest race in National Hunt Racing. Iconic moment, iconic interview afterwards. She is the darling of Irish racing. She was the darling of Cheltenham, so no brainer for inclusion. And then Vicky Wall, the Mead footballer, and Mead were on this journey that really captured the imagination of GAA fans everywhere by to be Cork en route to the final, to be Dubs in the final, having just come up from intermediate uh, last year. So if there was going to be a football representative across both male and female, I think it's 
wordy that they came from the Mead ladies. But how Paul O'Donovan has not made that list, Kieran? I don't know. I don't know. Like, and it maybe West Cork is too far west for the for the for the judging panel. I, do we I'm know? Not too sure. Can what were you were you able to do any digging? And I know this is the type of thing that you would probably do if you had the time. Did you go back through the list of nominees in 2016 when Paul and Gary won the silver, and were they included that year? As far as I know, they won the team of the year that year. Um, and I know that Paul and Fintan have been nominated for yeah. the for the RT Sports team of of the year, along with uh, Emily Hegarty and the, that Irish women's force. So it'll be interesting to see see who comes out on top. And maybe Paul and Fintan will win the sports team of the year. And, and if they do, no one can have any complaints about that because, again, what they achieved this year is absolutely incredible. But I think it's just the fact that you're talking about Paul O'Donovan, the Irish war, and even Fintan, Fintan would admit that like Paul is just on a different level to to, to everyone everyone else. Um, like we say, we're, we're repeating ourselves now, pound for pound, the best war in the world. Um, but he's the best war in the world can't make the top eight sports people in Ireland. And a year he wins Olympic gold, European gold, kind of supersedes everything he does before. Um, maybe the bar is that high in Ireland, or maybe, like you said, uh, the Georgian panel here, they dropped the ball, they dropped the oar, maybe yeah. they dropped the oar and they just, they just got it wrong here because um, no matter what people say, he should be on that shortlist. But like reading between the lines, looking at that shortlist, it seems that a criteria that's been left off the list of criteria is that if you win a gold medal at the Olympics or the Paralympics, you're automatically included. Ellen Keane, Jason Smith, Kelly Harrington, gold medalists, all included, no questions asked. Paula Donovan and or Fintan McCarthy have been left off despite the fact that they won gold medals, which seems to me, reading this, to be the number one criteria for inclusion, winning a gold medal at the biggest event of your sporting year. And, and I know too that, that, that there's people close to Paul who are, ups, absolutely, who are upset about this. They're upset. They're, they're not happy about it. Um, Paul himself probably just doesn't bother him. You know, yeah. that man just, he's... Um, he, but it's, it's up to us to be bothered for him, Kieran. Exactly. I think. Yeah, but but I, I know there's people around him um, that are they're annoyed, they're frustrated that he has been, or, um, he's been left out of this list, that, that he hasn't, hasn't been included and they see it as just, just just a slight a slight on on him on rowing um that he wasn't included um i think the whoever picked this list they got it badly wrong here paul o'donovan should have been on the list he wasn't he'll move on and he'll keep doing what he does he'll be back in the podium he'll be back with gold medals again next year um i don't know how after the year that he's had how we'll ever make that the short list again if he's not on it this year how is he ever going to get on it again like fucking paul o'donovan do Unless he, he single-handedly ends the COVID pandemic, um, I'm not he, sure how he's going to get on the shortlist. He might need to improve his cross-country career that he's been developing and maybe win a gold medal in the marathon at the next Olympic Games because athletes seem to be getting preference. But let's leave that debate there for now because Paula Donovan is the Star Sport podcast athlete of the year, undoubtedly. So um, that's, that's, counts. that's the one some that consolation for you, Paul. Uh, we're glad it can help you sleep at night. But Kieran, another Irish athlete who had a stellar year who hasn't been included on this list is the Balanine Bullet, Phil Healy. And despite not meddling at the Olympic Games, she had a remarkable time in Tokyo. I mentioned at the top of the show she was the first Irish woman to compete, 
compete in three different events. She was part of the 4 by 400 meter mixed relay team that smashed the national record and qualified for the Olympic final. Kieran, you caught up with Phil to look back on the year that was. How is she keeping now when she has all that in the past? And what are her plans and ambitions looking ahead to 2022? As you'll hear from Phil in a few minutes, she was in top form again and she, she's a great friend of the show. Like we've had Phil on the podcast countless times and she's always one of the most enjoyable people to chat to. So we just look back at a historic 2021 for her as she competed in her first Olympic Games. And like you said, Jack, she competed in three different events. And in our chat, um, we touch on that because she competed in those three events, but it was over, I think it was five days from the Friday through to the Tuesday and it was an action-packed couple of days. And she'll admit herself that the exertions that she put into the into the relay, that was the semi-final and the Olympic final, it did impact and it did hurt her in the individual events. Um, so we have a chat about that. And I suppose the lessons that she's learned going into 2022, does she need to compete in three events at a major championships again? Um, she has that box tick now, but does she want to go back there again? And I think you'd find her, 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 her answers fairly interesting. But... Um, she has such a busy year coming up next year. It's incredible. You thought this year was packed with an Olympics, and, and obviously it was, but there's world championships, there's European championships outdoors. I think it's the is it could be the world or European indoors as well early in the year. So she's a she's a lot, um, a lot coming up in 2022. And we also touch on Christmas. It's it's only next week. It's only next week. So um she talks to us about Christmas and her plans, and she also Let's us in on what the ideal Christmas present for her coach and the podcast's favourite Wexford man, Shane McCormick, is. So, um, as you'll hear from now, in top form. A real treat now for our podcast listeners. We're joined by Olympian Phil Healy to, to reflect on a memorable and momentous 2021 and look ahead to, to 2022. Welcome back to the podcast, Phil. Kieran, thanks a million for having me on again. Uh, we're just a couple of weeks out from Christmas now. So what does Christmas look like for you as, as an athlete? Is it is it different to ours or is it very much the same? Or what's it like, Phil? No, for us, it's literally just another normal week. And it, it happens like to fall on a good weekend this year because it works as our weekend off. So I think Christmas is on a Saturday, Sunday. Um, so we take the Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So it's perfect because when tracks and gyms and stuff are closed, we'll just go into normality then from the Tuesday again. So it's perfect this year. Um, but yeah, like I will get to go home, but then I'll be straight back to Watford again, say on the on the Tuesday, 27th or whatever, um, and straight back to work. So uh, yeah, it's just another normal few days for us where everything else has uh, stopped. And on Christmas Day, let's say, is there that temptation even to go, go for a jog, go for a run, or will you try and switch off from it that day? Oh, totally. If it's my day off, it's my day off. So I'll certainly be switching off. But um, no, you have to. And like to be at home, just enjoy the time, relax before you're back into to the work again. Like it's not a period where we literally just totally unwind. It's just we have the day off. We'll have it works. As I said, we work um, every four weeks. We get a weekend off, but it's actually going to fall that we get the Christmas weekend off. So um, it's perfect for us and uh, straight back into business. You'd be one of those who love Christmas. Let's say, just go to my house for a second. As soon as Halloween was over, I'm not joking, the Christmas songs were on, like MTV Xmas, and I just kind of found on Netflix the Christmas movie. So I've had four or five weeks of Christmas movies and Christmas songs at this stage. Would you be very much about Christmas or what's your thoughts about it all? Yeah, no, I would really, we would really enjoy Christmas at home. And like, uh, there's always that 
that great Christmas spirit. And even when we're all like, we're older now, we still have the exact same Christmas tradition. So um, no, it's an unreal time, and especially going back home. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely a Christmas person in comparison to some. And like you mentioned, you're taking a couple of days off around Christmas Day and Stephen's Day. Um, but you're, you're in this winter training block now. How important is that winter training block for what's to come in 2022? And also, how tough is a winter training block? Yeah, so the winter training block is where all the work is done. So we are, this is our eighth week back to training now. Um, and it, it is tough, but it has to be done. And you literally just have to take it session by session because it is hard, but um, it all pays off. And like, I even look back at my old training diaries and I see some of the sessions and I'm like, Lord, how did I do them? But like, I even look back on the last few weeks, but you take a session by session, as I said, and you just get it done. Um, it's the, the work put in now is what we reap the rewards for when we compete later in January, start of February. Um, but it's intense. It's in quite like it requires the gym is heavy, the track is high volume, um, it's hard, but look, it's part and parcel of it. So once we're fit and healthy and able to do it, we can uh, we'll have to stop complaining. I've been following your 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 winter blocker training on, on Instagram and your coach Shane McCormick is a great man for the for the post as well. But to be honest, it looks so hard. Like and what is what is the toughest part about this block? Um, I think it's just because of the volume and like there is no easy session as such and there's always something to some session but um yeah every athlete dreads the the winter and I, I suppose three four weeks ago it's you're back getting fit again so that has its challenges there but then once you're fit again everything ramps up the the target times ramp up the intensity ramps up um and it's just a whole world of pain but you look if it was easier for us as they say everyone would do it and what was the motivation like coming back into this training block after, let's say, the highs of the Olympics? Was it was it hard to get yourself going again, or were you just glad to get back into that familiar grind? Yeah, no, I, I like I was saying to Shane one day, like it doesn't feel like we were at the Olympics, and maybe that's because it didn't have the whole like normal spectacle of being in, at an Olympics, and like it was even less to what we would have, say, a normal, say, a pure athletics major championship so um it was very like there was no massive come down as such obviously your body had to recover and different things like that but it was just like a new season again like I know they talk about post-olympic blues and different things like that but maybe it helped us in a way that we didn't have as much of a come down um as we would have say if it was a, a different olympic experience so it definitely played out in our favour that way, well, it, my favour anyway, um, speaking for myself, and to just drive on into this year. And like, we literally have uh, World Indoor Championships this year, but we also have European Outdoors and World Outdoors, and the two of them never fall together on the same year. So it really is a massive year. Um, and like, it's 2022 already, 2023, we start qualifying for Paris. So like, it is mad that the, the short turnaround, so maybe the three-year cycle helps as well, that there is no... Um, middle year that's lost there where you're just getting back into swing of things again. It's incredible when you put it like that, like 2022 just around the corner, then all of a sudden you're two years out from, from the next Olympics. But let's look back at Tokyo for a second. Um, did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, like I definitely was, as in the experience alone, it definitely was a different experience than what everyone talks about for Olympics. But I haven't been to Olympics before, so I know no different. So, but um, it was a great experience. Obviously, COVID and different things like that really changed everything and like not mixing or 
even having to keep your apartment really tight and not mixing apartments, not even not mind mixing sports. So that side of things obviously was difficult and just because you didn't come up as a close contact. So like you could be doing everything perfect, but then your roommate could be a close contact and that might inhibit you from competing. So there was a lot of risks and probably a bit of anxiousness um, around that kind of thing. But then when it came to the competing side, it was down to business. We had a super holding camp. We were really lucky with the way everything was set up there um, and the freedom of the whole thing. And then, yeah, just getting out there competing, obviously getting to the relay final, that was massive. Um, but then, you know, when you turn your focus to the individual, I was very disappointed after the 200 because I knew I was coming in in PB shape for the 200 and the 400 based on all my times in war in the holding camp and in, like prior before we left for Tokyo. So fatigue did have a factor there. So I literally just had to turn the focus to the 400 and we didn't make the the decision for doing the 400 until about 10, 15 minutes before we went into call room because it may not have been the best decision to go out there and it being a worse performance than the day previous in the 200. And like looking at it, yes, it was only one uh, spot off a semi-final. So it isn't like a disastrous performance, but it was knowing what I could have done and that I didn't do it. That's That's where it probably made me like a little bitter almost but I challenged that into the 400 and come out again I know I was just one spot off the the semi-final and if I was in another heat it would have qualified um but I walked away from the track after the 400 completely different to what I did 24 hours previous and just for context for our, our listeners Phil was the first Irish woman ever to compete in three track and field events at the one Olympic Games and that was from the four by 400 meter mixed relay and the Olympic final the weekend and then the Monday and Tuesday you the four the two hundred and, and the four hundred. So there was so much crammed into a, 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 those those few days. And a hypothetical feeling, and I know athletes and sports people hate hypothetical questions. But if I offered you now to do the three events that you did and get the same results, or had you the chance to do maybe two events and get different results, well, how, 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 which way would you lean towards? Yeah, look like Three events, the first person to do it, it's hard enough qualifying in one event, so to qualify in three events just like just shows all the work and dedication that I have put in and that Shane has put in to get to that point. So like that's an achievement in itself. Getting to the relay final, like realistically, that was my best chance to getting to an Olympic final. So that can never be taken away from me. Then probably looking back, maybe we should have not done the two hundred and done the 400 instead but who's to say that the 200 could have been super and the 400 been disaster so look it is hard to know but I can walk away from this Olympic Games knowing that I'm the first Irish woman ever to compete in three events then I got in the Olympic final and then I was just seven hundredths of a second off one event and five hundredths of a second off another which is just absolutely marginal so there is massive takeaways from it and to have those three events you talk about fine margins and that 700 of second with that 400 meters and like you said you were probably disappointed with what happened the day before in the 200 but to finish your olympic experience on a high and to see that smile in your face and the interviews after because like you said you probably felt you didn't it didn't work out for you the day before but to put in such a heroic and brave performance on on, on the tuesday and, and come so close um how was that for you to be able to walk away with that pep in your step you know yeah because like me talking to the cameras on the 
Monday with David Gillick, I was like holding it together and a lot of the interview didn't come out because I was crying on the TV. So um, yeah, I was just in floods of tears when I went back to collect my gear before I walked out um, to the warm-up area because like as an athlete, we train every day to perform individually. Yes, we had the relay and the relay is never is always at the end of a, a major championship. But because it was a new event, it's now at the, the start and it will be again for for next year for world championships. But I probably made peace with myself in the 400. With It definitely surprised myself what I did and what time I did. But if the 400 didn't go well, I wouldn't... Yes, we made the Olympic final, but I probably wouldn't have seen the games as much of a success as it was, you know, because individually I didn't perform to what I could have done and what I've trained to do, if that makes sense. And post-Olympics, do you think you're the same athlete or a different athlete, considering what you've been through physically, mentally, emotionally, that journey you were on in Tokyo for those couple of days, the highs, the lows and back and back and... Are you the same feel that went out there or do you think you came back an even better athlete for having experienced what you did? I don't know, like Shane might say differently, but for me, like when I'm in that zone, like everything, I just take it in my stride. And obviously Shane was there. Um, my sports psychologist was there as well, um, which I was very lucky to have. So like having these people around you when you need it most, because yes, the relay was there. And everyone is around you supporting that, but then it becomes very isolated when you turn your focus to the individual and you literally are, it's you and your coach um, from that moment on. So like you learn how individual the sport is um, as well. So probably looking back, I can see what I actually went through. And if another situation arises like that, I have the ability to, it's almost my evidence there to know that I can do it again. Um, but we probably learn along the way as well and maybe next year we'll just focus on one event um, going forward and like I've done it now, I've achieved it, I don't need to achieve it again, um, but I can achieve a better performance in one event. One of my, well a couple of my favourite images from from the sporting year that was, was when you were chauffeured through Berlin in the skiing and in, in the convertible, the, the, the Queen of Berlin was, was back home. But even for that homecoming and to get the reception that you did from your, your family, friends and neighbours, like that must have been pretty special. Absolutely. I'm like, I remember saying to my mum when I was out there, I was like, there better be no one at the house. There better be no one anywhere. I don't want anything. Um, because obviously still with COVID and like I still had to race on after it. Um, so I remember sitting in... Um, Doha airport on our way back and I got a tag on uh, Facebook to say that I'll be arriving in the village at a, a certain time and I screenshot it and I sent it into the family group and it was three o'clock at home and I was like what the hell is this um, and I woke them up in the process because I had sent so many messages but no looking back now it was it was super and like to show how much support that was actually there and to see the excitement on everyone's faces there was kids um there they were all dressed up there was everyone from all ages no it was really super and like Annette Spillan with her open top car and like many years ago Annette um was my keyboard teacher so that was mad to be sitting in the in the back of her car all these years later but no I thoroughly enjoyed it um after and that usually wouldn't be my scene of things I would be very much of like go home right back to normality but uh no it was great
Because like, when, when you're in Tokyo and even preparing for the Olympics and camps and so on, like, you, you're existing in this bubble and you probably didn't realise back here in West Cork the place is going Olympic mad, obviously with the rowers. Like, and it worked out lovely for us this year. Of course, with the rowers, they with Phil Healy. So we, we had two brilliant weeks at the Olympics and West Cork went Olympic mad, mad. There was posters, flags, everything. But could you tap into that from over in Tokyo or were you oblivious to what was happening back here? Yeah, I know. I was seeing everything on social media and like, it was mad. But then when I actually went home and saw posters absolutely everywhere flags like Banlin in the scheme was totally kitted out Bandon had flags everywhere and like I think maybe because of fans not being able to go it brought the whole community obviously in West Cork but I think within Ireland as well to like a lot closer and gave an awful lift to everybody so I hadn't been back since European indoors in March so I had seen none of it um, until when I got back after Tokyo so um, it was crazy and the support like it was just unbelievable because yes we're walking out to an empty stand um, at, in Tokyo but then you get all the messages and comments and tags and different things after of people getting up in the middle of the night to support and just the lift it gave people and the new fans that we got in the sport as well. And even to see like the Berlin Bullet t-shirts, I got my hands on one of them as well. It's one of, one of my memorabilia from the year that I want to keep for years and years to come. It must be surreal to see yourself on a t-shirt in this Berlin Bullet kind of t-shirt. It's just like they're, they're great memories to have. But how, like you said there, you're not one for the fanfare, like you prefer just to kind of step out of the spotlight. But just to see yourself on, on t-shirts and people locally wearing them and stuff, what's that like? It's madness because initially when I saw the, the signs going up, I was like, oh my God, people must think that I have like a chance of coming back with a medal or something like that. And obviously that's basically impossible in athletics nearly with the way things are going. And obviously we have the rowers who were medal favourites and I'm like, oh crikey, how am I going to, to <laughs> like live up to the expectations? But like even getting to that Olympic final, that was like, okay, that's a relief now. <laughs> I can fit in in West Park almost. Um, but no, it, it, was, it was mad for the, the support that we got. Obviously, it's the pinnacle of the sport. Um, and knowing that there were so many people from West Cork um, there at the games, like, it was unbelievable. And the support that the whole West Cork community came behind, every one of us. Um, but it was just unbelievable. That was an incredible couple of weeks, like, magical. And now, like you said earlier, we're pushing forward to 2022 and there's so much on the calendar for you. But you touched it earlier too, Phil. Um, like obviously you juggle the 200 and the 400 and the relay. Is, is there a chance going into next year that you're going to focus on the two over the four, the four over the two, or are you going to continue to, to, to jump between them? Or what is, what is the plan? Yeah, so we'll have world indoors and there's only a 400. So the decision is made very easily for me there. Um, so obviously last year I came fourth at European indoors. Um, so it'll be about building on that um, for world um indoors so that'll be that box ticked and I have the qualification already so it's just about getting a few races in um cement my rankings and uh, off we go to Serbia hopefully so but then for outdoors we have world outdoor championships first at the end of July and then we have European outdoor championships um which is part of the multi-sport um Europeans at the end of August so for world um for world championships the mixed 4x4 relay is there. It's not in Europeans. And then again, it's at the start of the program. It's on the first day and the heat and the final are on the same day. So obviously that's even a lot more, um, it's a lot tougher than it was in Tokyo where there was 24 hours between it. 
So we will have to make the decision as the year plays out whether I will be a part of that squad, will I not be a part of that squad, will I be doing the 200, will I be doing the 400. So there is a lot of decisions to be made. Um, but then when we come to European Championships, again, it'll be one event over the other, but we'll have like the all-female 4x4, no mixed, and that's at the end of the programme. So depending on if we qualify or not, that's another thing that I can um, commit to. So I think it'll play out for itself as the year goes on. Um, we haven't made any decisions yet. And um, like, as I say, there could be a year where you don't make it individually. So the relay is your best chance of getting to those championships. So yeah, we'll just have to see. But if it is the case where I am qualified individually, and especially with the way the qualification system has changed, it really is too hard to qualify in two events because it's only a one-year window, whereas Tokyo was a two-year window to build up your qualification, and it's the five races and your ranking points and different things like that. So I would need at least 10 races between the 200 and the 400, which is a very long season. So a decision will have to be made at some point, but you don't have to make it anytime soon. You can push it off or you can get 2022 out of it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we will, yeah, see as the year goes on. First up, we'll be indoors, and then as we go later in the summer, we make we make that decision whether what is possible for the for the outdoor major championships. And with the Paris Olympics, like you said, 2024, like it's actually closer than we think because it's a shorter Olympic cycle. Do you already start to think about, okay, Paris is just, okay, it's 2022 now, it's only two and a half years away. Do you allow yourself to think that far or, or, or do you not? Do you try and block it out? Or what's, the, what's your mindset towards Paris? I think it's the, what everything is geared towards again because obviously you're pushing on an age 27 like you're not going to be going on forever so it's definitely um a focus um but in between now and paris there is so many major championships so that has to take the the primary focus as such um but you're just building the years year on year and like this year we have a great addition to the group marcus lauder is after joining us so like he was in tokyo olympics he's gearing towards Paris Olympics. So to have two Olympians in the group and both of us aiming for those Olympics and the major championships along the way um, makes everything like easier as such as well and that we have the we have the same focus. So everything is geared towards that. They have someone like him, such an international class, high caliber athlete join the group. Like, does that make does that make life easier? Like, does it just add to the competition within the group? Does it just raise standards, drive it forward even more? Oh, 100% and even like, other lads in the group that may not be at that international level, he really has come in, he has made everybody step up their game, he brings a great vibe to the group, um, like atmosphere and everyone gets on really, really well and like I've got on with Marcus um, for great for years before he ever joined the group, so no, he's a super addition to the group and uh, hopefully see him go on from here. Two questions left, so they're both similar questions. That second last one, what is the ideal Christmas present for Phil Healy? Oh yes, I'm definitely because I even I was talking to my mom yesterday, so it's very practical for me as like runners, jumpers, like normal clothes, and um, that I'll get use out of all the time. So it's, yeah, it's definitely practical over anything fancy. Okay, let's talk about Shane for a second because I saw a video a couple of weeks ago. He was on it, looked like a motorized scooter around the track. But what would the ideal present for Shane McCormick be? Oh, that is his new toy, and it's very handy as well because they even yesterday when we were training. 
I didn't have the group doing it with me. So Shane was my training partner um, along the side. But for Shane, he's definitely gadget focused. So anything gadget wise, can't go wrong with a pair of Crocs or something like a tracksuit. He, he'll get use out of all of those. He's, he's getting great use out of that motorized scooter because <laughs> every Instagram video that goes up, you can just see Shane whizzing boy and he's he, <laughs> holding his phone. But um, no, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Uh, congrats on an incredible year and just wish you and yours a, a happy Christmas. Super, Karen. Thanks a million. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. It was just last week that Tyg McCora's Kevin O'Driscoll announced that he'd be stepping back from Cork duty. Kieran, you've been speaking to Kevin about his decision to retire from the intercounty scene, but I'm assuming you also touched on the great year he had with Cora. They won their first Carberry Junior A football title since 2012. So what led Kevin to this decision and does he still plan to carry on with the club? I'm assuming he does. Well, yeah, I think Cork football's loss will be Ty McCorrig's gain over the, the next couple of years. Uh, Kevin was involved at the Cork senior panel, I think since 2010, um, the year Cork won the All-Ireland. He wasn't on that All-Ireland winning panel, but I think he was in and around the squad and he made his league debut in 2011. His championship debut in 2015 has been an almost an, an ever-present over the years. a very dependable player that Cork has been able to, to call on. Um, he's 32 now and... And during the chat, he's, he says that it was after last year's Munster final defeat to Tipperary that it was in the back of his mind that 2021 could be or would be his last year on the on the Cork panel. It was something that was mulling around in his mind for some time. And as this year played out, um, he kind of made up his mind that it would be would be his last year. So he gave it absolutely everything and it didn't work out and um, didn't work out for, for Kevin or for Cork, obviously. The, the Munster final hammering by by uh, carrying Clarney. That was um, Kevin's last game for Cork, as it turned out. He came on as, as a second half sub from Michael Hurley, I think it was, and um, that was that was yeah that was Kevin's last game. And he he says that he spent a bit of time in the pitch after with with his wife, um, because they both knew they both knew that was it. That it was the closing of a chapter. And he kind of pointed out too, he made his decision before Keith Rickon, the new manager, was appointed. So and this wasn't a case of, of Keith coming in and saying, off, off you go, Kevin. Kevin had his mind made up before this. Um, I think Keith, even though Keith wants to bring in youth and, all, and, and new players into the squad, there's no substitute for experience too. And Cork have a cohort of very experienced players that could and should and will play an important role for the, for the next generation, these young guns coming into the Cork senior panel. But Kevin has decided the time is right and he feels the time is right for him just, just to step aside. And he, he, he's a busy man as it is. Um, he's a chief financial officer with West Cork Distillers. He's building a house with his wife in, in the middle of that. So he's quite busy with that as well. And he obviously wants to give a lot back to his club, Tiger McCorrig as well. And he says he wants to give his last few good years to Cora. So um, he's looking forward to that. And that's actually something you hear a lot when, when fellas finish up inter-county, how they just enjoy going back into that club scene because he'd have missed an awful lot over the years in terms of challenge games, league games, the weekly club training sessions. But now he has that opportunity while he's fit, able and still at the top of his game to give everything he has to Tyke McCorrig. They're West Cork Junior A champions now. Um, they, they were just an awful look in the, in, in the county series. They had to win and play Battle Hassig just less than three days after after beating Mary's in the Carby final and seeing how the, the county series played out and the fact that um that Ben Hassig got to the Cork final against Porterbui. I think Kyle McCorrig were probably thinking, Jesus, that, that that could have been us. So 
they'll put in one hell of an effort uh, next year and they'll be boosted by the fact that they have um, Kevin O'Driscoll full time. So as one door closes, another opens. And uh, it's at the last we hear of Kevin O'Driscoll on the Star Sport pages. We're joined now on the Star Sport podcast by Kevin O'Driscoll, who very recently stepped back from the, the intercounty football scene with Cork. Um, welcome to the podcast again, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Kieran. Like I said there, you've stepped back from um, the, the Cork Senior Intercounty panel and Jesus, you've had some stint there, like you, you were telling me just before we started recording, you were on the extended panel back in 2010, you made your league debut for Cork in 2011, you made your championship debut, I think, in, in 2015, like that's a, that's a hell of a, a lot of service you've given to Cork, so why now, why now have you decided to, to step back from Intercounty football? Yeah, I suppose. Look, it's been it's been great while I was there, Kieran, and enjoyed every minute of it. Um, I suppose when you're in in that court bubble and, and involved in an intercounty team, it, it is really all encompassing. Uh, it, it kind of dictates everything you do in your life. Um, and I'm not, not to that in a negative way. I suppose which I just felt it was you know, it was time to to move on and, and focus on something else. I kind of had that part of my life done and, and on to the next now, and it was great while it lasted. Given that you have given so much time to, to Cork football over the years, and that's almost one third of your life you've been involved with the Cork senior football panel, was it a hard decision to make to decide to step back? It was. It's, there's no point saying it, it wasn't. Um, I suppose I kind of made up my mind after the Munster final uh, defeat last year. Um, I've been kind of thinking about it for, for a year or two now, to be honest, and I kind of decided that, that I was going to give it one last year, and then after the Munster final, I suppose that it, it, it was a bad way to, to end it, um, losing in that kind of manner. But yeah, I, I kind of made up my mind that day. I had a bit of a, a bit of a chat with my wife beforehand, and we kind of had a bit of a moment on the on the pitch after the game. Um, and, and I kind of knew that my time was up then. So yeah, I, I kind of felt like the time was right to step back. Did you know so, Kevin? I suppose throughout this twenty twenty one season that this would be your last year with the with the senior footballers. Yeah, it was kind of in the in the back of my mind. Now I won't say that I had my mind fully made up, but um, but I, I kind of went into this season with the attitude that I'd give it one last crack, absolutely everything I had for for a year, so see where it took me and see where we could get to, um, and then make up my mind at the end of the season. But yeah, it, it very much was in the back of my mind to just give it one more year. And obviously, Keith Ricken has come in. He's the new Cork senior football manager. He's taken over from Rowan McCarthy. Did the, the lure or the chance to, to work with Keith, did that play in your mind then to say, will, will I just stay on and see what Keith Ricken can bring to them, where he can take this Cork football team? Or were you so steadfast in the decision you made? You said, no matter who came in, you, 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 you had decided to step back. Yeah, I suppose, look, I couldn't really had my mind made up before they put the new management team in place. I suppose at this stage, now I've worked with, with four different managers with Cork and you know, each one of them was, was very different in, in how they approached it and, and how the setup was. Um, I suppose look, the position Keith is in and the new management team is in they're coming in and when Cork football has had a low ebb and I'm sure they wanted to freshen up the panel and put their own stamp on it um, I suppose that's kind of the way it's turned out so that, that kind of made my decision a bit easier when, when it transpired and that's that's the route they were going down but no I, I very much so had my mind made up before any manager was put in place and look it's a difficult decision anyone that's I've spoken to that was on the court panel before and, and, and gave service, said it was, and, and had walked away, said it was a very difficult decision. I, I spoke to a few of those guys um, and they were feeling the way I was feeling at the time. So I knew I wasn't alone in that. But no, I, I just felt the time was right to, to move on to the next chapter. And you touched it earlier, Kevin, when you mentioned about so much time involved. And I think even us on the outside, we know you give so much to 
to, to inter-county football there's so much involved now it's almost a full-time job on top of a of your of your normal full-time job but can you just give us a kind of a even a quick look at what is um what what's involved in being an inter-county footballer these days in terms of training sessions but even looking after yourself outside of those training sessions yeah i suppose the last three or four years it's really ramped up in the time and commitment that's needed outside of actual training and 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 um and get togethers from from that side of it, I suppose like a, a standard week from a training point of view would be a Monday you'd have a gym session uh, Tuesday would be a training session on on pitch uh, in Cork somewhere uh, Wednesday would be a night off Thursday would be a pitch session Friday would be gym session Saturday morning or how we how we have been doing in recent years Saturday was kind of used as a bit of a mini camp day and that you'd have six, seven hours together in Cork most of the day Saturday and then Sunday will be the off. So, so the time commitments from that side of us were were, uh, were a lot. Um, I suppose travelling up from, from West Cork made it a little bit more difficult than that you had three hours on top of every session for travelling. Um, and then I suppose outside of those sessions, like I said at, at the outset, everything you do really is revolved around, um, around training and games and that when you're not involved with the, with the group, you're probably doing some sort of recovery session or food prep or uh, video analysis on yourself in preparation for a group video analysis session. So, yeah, I suppose like on, on a standard week, you're probably talking somewhere in the region 30, 40 hours a week between trainings and what you're doing outside of that. So, yeah, it, it is like a, a second full-time job on, on top of a, a day job for, for amateur players. But I suppose when you're involved in it, it's as close as you can get to, to professional sport without actually being professional sport. So from that side, and for people who enjoy that, it, it is a very enjoyable experience. Have you taught what life is going to be like without that routine and structure to your to your life? Like you've had that, like you said, for so, so long now, and then going into 2022, you won't have that inter-county element. So have you even allowed yourself to think you're going to have such and such time in your hand or so on? Uh, I suppose I, I haven't, I haven't. There's, there's always something to keep me busy. Um, so I just recently got married. We're in the middle of building a house, so that's kind of taking up all my time at the moment. Um, I suppose work, well, they were they were very good to me, and all my employers all the way up have been very good to me. Um, and West Cork Studios home work we know at the moment no different. It'll be good to be able to give them that a little bit more time, um, and 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 focus on my career a little bit more, um, and then just enjoying life outside of that. I suppose. You know, it's, it's very difficult to plan anything outside of outside of football when you're in that bubble. So it, it's just see where see where it takes us. Um, I'm I'm the kind of person who doesn't who likes to be involved in something. So I'm I'm sure I'll find something else to uh, talk about, occupy my free time. But what it, what that is, I don't know yet, and I'm in no rush to find out. And you'll obviously have more time now to put back into your club, Tiger McCorrick as well. And obviously, Cork a couple of weeks ago won the won the West Cork Junior A um, football title. So you'll be the team to beat in 2022. So you must be looking forward to even to train with the club more and be involved with the club more when it comes to league games. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, that, that's the thing I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, as, as you know yourself, it's very difficult to win the West Cork. We got over the line this year. Um, so I suppose we're starting from a good place going into a new season. But just having that time to to train with the lads week in, week out, to be part of all the league games, all the challenge games. Um, that's, well, that's, that's the piece I'm really looking forward to, and being able to give my last couple of good years to the club in full. 
was key to Carl's success this season and going back over the years has been the three O'Driscoll brothers, yourself, Cullum and Brian. And I'm going to take it back to Intercounty for a second. Ed, um, you've had so many highlights over the years, but I'm presuming those games, I think there was a game against Donegal, a league game in 2015, when yourself, Brian and Cullum all started for, for Cork in the one game like that. It's a, a unique feat. Like that must be one of the, the really special moments that, that you can look back on. Uh, it is. It is. There's no point saying it isn't. I suppose for, for the family as a whole, it was a it was a huge honour to have the three of us involved in, in Cork panel at the same time, and for the three of us to to actually be on the field at the same time. Um, it was a, it was a great honour. I suppose when you're when you're there at the time and you're and you're you know, prepping for games and you're in the game and you're it's all about game plans and and results. You don't really think about it. It's only kind of afterwards when you when you look back, you can realise that it, it was a great achievement for. For us as a family and a proud moment for our parents and everyone else involved so yeah that's something that's that now that we're finished we can look back on with a, with a bit of pride because you come from a GMAT family even your father gene i think was involved in a cork panel in the in in, in the 80s and obviously he was part of the other Rasa team that won um, um cork munster and all ireland club titles and he's very much still involved in cora um the cork under under 21s before and so on like kind of even growing up, GA was such a huge part of your family. So for you and Cullum and Brian to be all part of a of, of a car football team at the same time, like you said there, like that, that that's something that that you'll have memories to look back for 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 years and years to come. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I suppose this GA was was the number one thing in our family growing up. Dad was so heavily involved, um, and Mom as well. To, to be fair, um, I suppose he he probably instilled in us that that hunger to succeed at a young age um, and having three brothers relatively close in age um, probably didn't do any harm either in, the, in that we were, we were very competitive at home all the way up um, and I, I think that only stood us uh, in good stead so yeah look it's it's something we can definitely look back on with, with great pride um, something that we can say in 20 years time we can we achieved as a, as a family and as a group so yeah it was it was a very special time. Let's look back to some of the highs and lows in your time with the Cork Senior Footballers. We'll start with the highs. What are the, the big moments that stand out for you? Yeah, I suppose I was only actually thinking about this after I stepped away um, and a couple of the things that kind of jumped out at me, I suppose, uh, 2015, you know, 2015, I made my championship debut and played in my first Munster final. It was that, that, that first strong game down in Clarny. It was my first real taste of what a Munster final is about. Um, you know, sun splitting the stones down in Clarny in front of a full house. Um, and it turned out to be a great game of football. One, one. Looking back now, we should have won and should have walked away with a monster medal, but didn't. But that only tarnishes it to some extent. As well, looking back, that that is one of the the, the better memories that I have in a Cork jersey. Um, was the Super Eights in, in 2019? Um, I thought that was a, a great format, and, and the fact that we got into it and got to play two big games in Croke Park against Dublin and Tyrone, John. We went toe to toe with Dublin for sixty minutes and then fell away in the end. Um, I think we learned a lot from that, and and and, and same with Tyrone going toe to toe with them for about sixty minutes of a championship game in Crow Park as well. So was there the kind of big games that, that stand out for me now looking back at it? And I suppose to be fair too, it's been a transitional um, period and phase for Cork football over the over, over over the last number of years. So if you're looking back at some of some of the low points or any regrets, um, any games or moments that stand out for you, Kevin. So look at, at inter-county level, the margins between winning and losing oftentimes are, are very fine. Um, I suppose in, looking back only to last year, beating Kerry in, in a semi-final, you know, that was a huge moment for us. Um, 
and not going on to capitalize then and, and beat Tip, who are a very good team. And we've we've had some great battles with Tip all throughout my time. I've been involved with Cork, both underage and senior. Um, so I, I don't think we took them for granted. But not, not capitalizing on getting to a final after beating Kerry is probably probably one of the biggest regrets. Um, and then look, I suppose when I started off playing for Cork, we were always Division One in the league and competed very well. And I think that's a that's a great uh, platform for for when you get the championship. Um, I suppose you know, falling down to Division Two and then getting relegated to Division Three isn't ideal in um, in preparing any team for for wanting to go on and achieve things. So I suppose look, it's it's fine margins. Um, we got relegated from Division Two on six points and I think Tony got six points the same year and went on to a, a semi-final so um, look, from Division 1 so look looking back now I suppose they're kind of some of the some of the, the regrets that you might have um, from, from our time there Stepping away from the Cork I don't know where do you think for, where do you think Cork football is right now of course if we look back to the Munster final um, the, the hammering by Kerry the, the, that is a negative but if you look at it the last couple of years that young those young players coming through like the Cahill O'Mahony Sean Meehan all these young fellas like talented footballers and they're, they're players for the for the present as, as well as the future where do you think Cork football is pointed right now? This, the talent is clearly there in Cork I think it's just a, a case of bringing it together um, but continuity is a big thing and something that maybe we haven't had in Cork football over the last 10 years um, I think if we can get to a place where, where we can have that continuity the talent is there um, and just bridging that gap from underage success to senior. I think that's a lot more difficult than, than a lot of people think it is. Um, that step up from say under 21 to senior is, is, a, is a huge step up. Um, and I suppose if you're looking at it from the outside, you might not appreciate the, the gap that is there between underage and senior. So I think just getting that continuity and, and being able to bring players through from underage, but give them the time they need to develop at, at senior um, is going to be important. But look, the talent is quite clearly there. Um, I think we, we'll be back in a cycle, hopefully sooner rather than later, where Cork football is successful again. Um, and I've no doubt in that. And like we said there, that, that younger brigade coming through, the likes of Brian Hartnett and, and so on, like there is some, some huge talent coming through. But from 2022 on, you will be in the terraces up in Parky Cueve, you'll be in the terraces in Parky Ring, you'll be cheering Cork on. Um, and we touched it earlier, and we've, I've, I've spoken to like, Paul Kerrigan about it before as well. When you step away from inter-county football, it, it does leave a void, and I know we mentioned it earlier as well. Um, how, how do you cope with stepping away from something like that when you have been involved in it for so long? Yeah, I suppose it's something that, that a few guys that would have stepped away said to me that as, as soon as you step away, you're out. You're, you're, when you're in, you're in, but when you're out, you're out. Um, but I think having that clean break is good in that it's, it's, it gives you time to focus on something else. Um, I wouldn't say there's going to be a void there I, I think I'm still going to be heavily involved in, in, in football with, with the club um, and I think it, a lot of the time that I would have spent with Cork I'm now going to be able to give give that time to the club instead which is something I'm looking forward to um, and as I said look it's you have to move on in life as well and you, you, you have to fill it with things that you enjoy doing um, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Cork, but I think it's it's time to to find something else now that, that I enjoy and be able to give my time to that instead. Before I let you go, Kevin, just to get your thoughts on the championship structure for 2022, it's the same old, the same old. We had the 
the, the, the Munster Championship draw there a couple of weeks ago, and it's Cork and Kerry again in the in in, in a in the Munster semi final. And obviously, a couple of weeks back at Congress, there was a chance to change up the championship and just go with something completely different. Um, from a from a player's point of view, um, would you prefer to see see seen seen a, a huge change and go towards the the kind of the league championship style, or would you have been content with keep going the way things are? Yeah, I think I think it was quite clear that that the the players were in favour of the change, um, and, I, and I thought it would have been a good thing to, to freshen it up. Um, I think a lot of the a lot of the, the, pro, the provincial cha- championships, I won't say have gone stale, but a lot of them are predictable at this stage. Um, like look at the Ulster Championship, how competitive that is, and getting out of that alone is a huge achievement. Um, whereas other provincial championships. There probably isn't as much importance placed on them. Dublin probably win a Leinster comfortably every year at this stage, and it's nearly a given. Um, so I think, look, a change in structure worked very well for the hurling, um, and I think me included and a lot of players would have been in favour of a change in structure for football, but look, that's easier, easier said than done at times. Um, I think it's coming down the tracks soon, um, and I think it'll be a good thing. Like I said, it'll, it'll re, re-energise and reinvigorate inter-county football. And final question, so, and you mentioned there you're going to play on McCarrick for the next couple of years and they'll, they'll reap the benefits. But even beyond that, we've seen, obviously Gene has been a coach and manager and we've seen Colin and Brian involved with Newcestown um, as well in, 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 in coaching roles. Is it something that you're hoping to get involved in at some point, Kevin? Would you like to dip your toes into, into coaching and management? Yeah, I think I will. Um, maybe not in the immediate future. Um, like I said, now that I have the time to give to the club as a player, I'm going to do that in, to the best of my ability. But when that period of my life is over, yeah, I think it's absolutely something I'd probably like to get involved with. Um, you know, walking away from from Cork and intercounty football is one thing, but walking away from football as a whole is is a, is a different story. Um, so yeah, absolutely, not in the immediate future, but definitely down the line, it's it's something that I'll probably be interested to get involved in and, and see where that road takes me. I suppose. Dad has been involved with coaching a lot of teams from, from the club to uh, to other teams around the county and has had a lot of success in that. So I suppose there's a good template there for any of us that, that want to go down that route. And yeah, it's probably something that I will be interested in the time. So while one door closes, another will open in, a, in the years ahead. But no doubt we'll see your name and Cara's name in the Southern Star a lot again next year. Um, all, all the best next season, Kevin, and thanks for coming on for a chat. Thanks for having me, Kieran, and we'll chat soon. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Okay, Kieran. quickly then before we wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a quick look at what's coming up in this week's Star Sport section, which will, of course, be in shops, as always, from Thursday morning. It's going to be no secret here when I give away the front page, but the man at the moment, Darren McElhinney, has to go page one this week. What a weekend Dara had at European Cross-Country Championships in Abbottstown on Sunday. Not only did he win individual silver in the men's under-23 race, but he also led the Irish team to team goal. So incredible by Dara. And we had him on this podcast last week, and he was chatting about Europeans and his ambitions, and he was telling us how he was coming off his best ever training block and how he was targeting a medal. And a man of his word, he delivered, and he delivered in style. So... um. Darren McElhinney's on the front page and he's inside as well. And just a quick word too for Jane Buckley, the young Newcastle athlete who finished 30th in the women's under 20 race. It was Jane's first time representing Ireland and her first time um, competing at a major international event. So to, to get 
to finish in the top 30 was a brilliant achievement for Jane. And it's a name we'll hear about a lot in the years ahead. Um, and even though this is December, we still have a lot going on in the sports section in Holly O'Sullivan's column. He picks out eight club players from 2021 that he feels could be in and around the Cork Senior Football Panel for, for, for next year. So if Keith Ricken reads the Southern Star, and I'm sure he does, Keith Ricken is a big fan of the, of the Southern Star, he should pick up the Star on Thursday to, to read or to get Holly's thoughts on how he, on who he feels Cork should be looking at for 2022. Castlehaven Miners won a Premier County Minor title. Coasey Rovers are true to a Munster Club final. Um, there's a lot going on. Still, still a lot going on at this time of the year. And also, quick word on Munster rugby. Um, Kinsale Scott Buckley on his European debut was superb um, last weekend. There's a, I don't know what you call it, an understrength Munster, looking at what, what, what the result was, but the the kids did well. Inexperienced, maybe. Inexperienced, but, but, the, but the Munster kids did quite well. So it's great to see, see West Cork still involved in that. And John Hodnett had a superb game. That's John from, from Moss Carberry. So um, for this time of the year, a lot going on and a lot in, in, in this Thursday sports section. So it's well worth checking out again. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can't make it to the shops, you can always subscribe to the Southern Star Digital Edition online. Just go to www southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week, Kieran. We will, won't we? Christmas I think so, week, yeah. It's, like, just okay. our, one last Christmas present for all our listeners to hear yeah. our, our, our dulcet tones one more time, and especially on Christmas week. And if that's our that's our gift to our, our friends. <laughs> So we will be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It's greatly appreciated when you subscribe or rate us or leave us a review and it continues to help us grow the podcast. Slán Tomu.